Do you suffer with chronic pain? Are you taking risky, over-the-counter, or prescription anti-inflammatory drugs? This is Dr. Ronald Hopp with a better natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals, Liquid Turmeric Liposome Complex. Future Farm's liquid turmeric with liposomes and nanotechnology delivers maximum absorption for effective pain relief. Sourced and manufactured in the United States, this product contains 1,600 milligrams of curcumin and powerful antioxidant properties. This plant-based curcumin is used to possibly reduce inflammation, block proteins that trigger swelling, and intercept inflammatory pathways, significantly decreasing inflammatory responses. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Don't live with pain when there's an all-natural, science-based remedy that works. myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, today with Layla Mutin, because it's our weekly Q&A with Layla, wherein we answer your questions. Questions come to radioprogram at AOL.com. Could we make it any simpler? Yeah. Uh, although this is a person who used pen on paper. Yes. licked a postage stamp and sent it to us via snail yeah. mail uh, with an article. And so let's uh, take a look at this article. Um, the question is, can we comment on this, mm-hmm. an Associated Press report, FDA to scrutinize unproven cancer drugs? So what they say in this article, it's kind of interesting, and this is something that I've been talking about, uh, which is that uh, we're getting approvals of cancer drugs, uh, and you know, there's a lot of pressure to fast-track drugs, because cancer is horrible, yeah. and people want options. Yep. And so there's a tendency they want the to right to those options track and everything. Drugs. Sure. Uh, so many of these drugs are approved not on the basis of they cure cancer. Mm-hmm. They're approved on the basis of what's called response. And so if you get a forty percent response rate, the cancer shrinks when people take it. Uh, or if you get a improved survival, you get it. And some of these drugs, the survival is like just a few months, you know, yeah. like improves, like uh, most people will be dead in a year. Yeah. And on this drug, they'll be, they'll still be dead, but in 18 months. Yeah. Right. Um, and it with that, these drugs are not curative. No. So you think what you'd look to for a cancer drug is, is cure my cancer. It's like, no, we're going to buy you time. And in fact, you know, if you watch TV, you watch a little cable TV? Uh, no, I don't have cable. I'm, a, but I'm, I'm amazed at, you know, this... The amount of drug me. commercials? Not just the amount of drug commercials, but the amount of commercials for these very expensive cancer drugs. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to say, well, I saw a commercial for this cancer drug, and I have this unusual type of cancer, and it has this, you know, genetic subtype. And ask so I'm going to go ask your doctor. It's like, really? Yeah. But it, it's... But, you know, what they figure is, is like if three people, you know, end up on the drug, that totally pays for the commercial. Oh, yeah. At $300,000 a year, I'm talking the high end according to that article. Wow. That's almost a million dollars. Yes. These very expensive. And so there, this is a new category of drug. They're immunotherapies. Yes. And I think that their immunotherapies are very promising. The MIBs and the MABs. The MIBs and the MABs. And, uh, they are offering people uh, the chance for longer survival. 
Yeah. But they haven't really quite cracked the code yet. Mm. And uh, so what they're saying here is that uh, many of these drugs, uh, you, you know, the, you do a cost-benefit analysis and the, the, the benefit is negligible and the cost is extraordinary. They say spending on cancer drugs is more than doubled since just 2013. Yeah. Well, let's see, 2013 was... Eight years ago. Just a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were in another location then, but you know. I know. <laughs> but it, that'd be to over $60 billion annually. And uh, so what they're saying is that, okay, they approve these drugs. Maybe the drug should be subject to review. And if they don't really work, um, they, they should, should be, be yanked. Yeah. They said it took the FDA more than a year to finally pull the breast cancer approval from Roche's blockbuster drug, Avastin. Um, hmm. But here's the thing. The agency was besieged by calls from cancer patients and libertarian groups to keep the approval, despite clear evidence that it didn't extend life and cause dangerous side effects. Now, also, some, wow. of these, some of these patient advocacy groups are funded by the pharmaceutical industry. Sure. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to give to these poor patients so that they can get access to medic yeah. life-saving medication. Well, they got an ulterior motive. Mm -hmm. And they, pre you know, same thing with this Alzheimer's drug approval. I'm sure there was pressure you know, to get this drug approved because, like, we need something. We need something. Well, yeah, but it's a little half-baked. Yeah, but we need something. We need we something. We need something. Give yeah. us anything. Yeah, and so they approved it, you know. Uh, and, you know, not that the FDA is immune from pressure from the pharmaceutical industry, yeah. too, you know. Because, uh, anyway, so they're saying drug doesn't really work well and it's expensive. Take it off the market. That's what yeah. this says. that's what this says. Right, right. Gosh, all right. Uh, I, I I can't help. Uh, I saw a woman walking down the street, and uh, she had on a, a T-shirt for Memorial Sloan Kettering. Yes. And their slogan: "Imagine a world without cancer." Uh huh. And the first thought that came to me, Doctor Hoffman, you know, skeptic that I <laughs> that I am, is, well, what does that do to your business model? <laughs> Okay. It's, it's like yeah, that's what I thought of. It's yeah, like what is that? What do you mean a world without cancer? What's going to happen to you? Subtitle then? is I want to collect unemployment. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, here's a nice here's a nice break from all that from Paul. Hi, Doctor Hoffman. Who are some nutritionists that influenced you early in your medical career? Perhaps Carlton Fredericks, Adele Davis, Weston Price. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to say that uh, I am a big fan of uh, radio, yeah. and a lot of the natural medicine came across the radio waves. So I would listen to um, Gary Null, mm -hmm. uh, who was much my predecessor. Uh, I would listen to Carlton Fredericks. Yeah. I would listen to Dr. Atkins. Dr. Atkins and I were contemporaries, though I already had my radio program at the time. Yes. Um, my radio program came after... Um, uh, Carl Fredericks passed away. Yeah. In fact, his uh, his widow became uh, my radio agent for a while. Wow. Uh, yeah, Mrs. Fredericks. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I also listened a lot to Jeff Bland, who mm -hmm. is known more to health professionals, but he remember cassettes. The grandfather of integrative and functional yeah, medicine. Yeah, the, the godfather. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, he is. Um, very influential in my thinking. Yeah. And I recently had him on my program. It was really nice kind of reuniting with him. Mm -hmm. um, we did a podcast about his uh, new uh, 
the uh, buckwheat. buckwheat. Yeah. Uh, the the other person who the persons that uh, influenced me, Alan Gaby, uh, oh, yeah. and uh, Dr. Jonathan Wright, who mm-hmm. also had a, a extensive cassette series. You know, where it was a subscription, and you would buy like a monthly rundown of nutritional information. Right. Uh, Wasn't Jonathan Wright the one of the promoters, or one of the original promoters of bioidentical HRT? Absolutely, he was, absolutely, right? yes. Mm-hmm. Super influential guy. Yeah. Um, and you know, those were my main influences. Yeah. I would say. Uh, so uh, you know, I owe a debt of gratitude to those people who were. Forerunners, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I used to listen critically, uh, where you know I would somebody would tee up a question. And I said, "Well, how would I answer that?" And like, how did that? You know, how did Doctor Atkins do answer? No, I would have answered it differently. You know, I you know that whole sure, sure. And, but it was like a mental exercise. Yeah, you know, so that yeah. um, you know, I I uh, listened to a lot of health shows on AM radio, and uh, you know. Mm-hmm. It gave me sort of mental practice. And now you are the longest-running physician radio... Physician-hosted radio program. Yes, yes. Since what, 1985? Right. Okay. Let's hear it for longevity. Let's hear it for longevity. Uh, Good point which to pause. Speaking of longevity, we're going to get some tips from uh, one of our sponsors on how to uh, enhance your longevity. So uh, listen up. Let's hear it. In these unprecedented times, we need effective immune support. That's why I'm excited to introduce two formulas that work, CV Defense and CV Acute. There's nothing quite like them. CV Defense is a daily preventative, the only supplement that delivers the six most important ingredients to optimize your immune function, including PEA, a critical molecule for long-term immunity at the cellular level. CV Acute is a fast-acting, great-tasting syrup for direct immune activation. It eliminates invaders with a fruit flower and root of patented Chinese medicine. I take it when I feel run down to fend off respiratory infections. Both products are safe, all-natural, and backed by numerous clinical trials. For more information and to order, go to TotalImmuneHealth.com and take advantage of discounts from 30 to 50% just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. That's TotalImmuneHealth.com. TotalImmuneHealth.com for the most exciting immune support products in years. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And we heartily endorse what they're putting out there. If uh, it wasn't to my satisfaction, we would not have them on as sponsors. We carefully vet our sponsors. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only top quality products that work. So, um, back to our questions. We've got one. Let's see. I don't have a name here. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. I'm having terrible cramps in my feet and calves. It doesn't happen every night, but when it does, it does take a while to eventually go away. Wakes me up in the middle of the night and I can't fall back to sleep. I remember you and Layla recommended magnesium, so I tried that. I use Jigsaw Time Release 500 per day because I get GI upset if I take different forms of of magnesium, the other types. So the Jigsaw, as you know, is magnesium malate. It's the most bioavailable, less likely to cause GI symptoms. I remember their ad campaign where where they'd hand out a roll of toilet paper. It doesn't give you the SH blank, blank, blank. (laughs) So... (laughs) um, 
So I do the 500 milligram to, uh, a day of the jigsaw, but it didn't help. I added 250 more and that didn't help. Should I just keep adding more or do you have well, other suggestions? I mean, they're, they're, I'm not dehydrated. Right. I get healthy salt in right. my diet. Right. I'm otherwise healthy. It's not always just about magnesium. Magnesium it's potassium. Can, yeah, it could be potassium. It could also be, you know, look, let's explore when it happens. It happens at night. Why does it happen at night? What happens at night? Well, you know, if you get cramps and pain in your feet when you're walking, you know, you may have circulatory problems. You may have claudication. Yes. Or, uh, as is sometimes referred to, uh, you know, uh, PAD, peripheral arterial disease. Yeah. Um, that's exertional. But this is, you know, in bed, you're not going to have a lot of exertion. Right. So, you know, what that sometimes suggests is that there's some spinal involvement, hmm. that there's the position... Uh, puts a little bit of um, pinching on the nerves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would look towards uh, an orthopedic or a chiropractic solution. You may have what's called radiculopathy, which is impingement of the nerves mm -hmm. from the lumbar spine. Oh, wow. So, you know, that wow. is maybe contributing factor to that. You know, there used to be the belief that quinine could be helpful for that. But the, since yes. quinine is toxic, they took most quinine products off the market. They tell people to drink tonic water. It's not much quinine in tonic is, water. Yeah. It's a lot of sugar. That is a lot of sugar. Unless, I mean, you can get diet quinine water. Right. Which right. tastes awful. <laughs> you might need a combo of magnesium, potassium. You might you might benefit from like an electrolyte try, kind of fizzy drink mm -hmm. that you could take once, maybe twice yep. a day. The other thing I can think of if this person is a woman, mm -hmm. because she's having cramps in her feet and calves, yeah. if you suddenly started wearing high heels, like after all this lockdown, yeah. Yeah. and you're having, and you're going to go... goes to the, the orthopedic <laughs> kind of thing, yeah. Exactly. Um, so if you're wearing shoes that you're not used to, mm -hmm. particularly high heels, you may find that that evening, right. you're going to have cramps in your feet. And a regimen of stretching least. may help that, yeah. you know. Uh, stretching that, stretching out. Sure. Stretching out before you go to bed is actually a good idea. Yeah. Is actually a very, very good idea. So there is that. Mm -hmm. So it may be more than all about magnesium. So, all right. Okay. Another thing, Best I mean, consider CBD, which is a little bit of a muscle relaxant. You know, you can take that. Mm. You okay. Could, you know, take it at bedtime because that may yes. dampen the signals you're getting. Yes. All right, we've got one from Roberta. Dr. Hoffman, it seems as though the FDA doesn't like natural thyroid medicines. No. I was taking sure. Nature Thyroid as prescribed by my homeopathic doctor for years. Then the FDA claimed that through their testing, they found the product contains uh, to, to contain less than what the company test it results It wasn't properly for. standard. This is a problem with the natural thyroids is they're a little bit harder to standardize. Mm. It happened for a while with Armour Thyroid, which mm. is the most popular brand. Yeah. And then it came back on the market. So this is also the knock that endocrinologists have against natural thyroid because they say, well, the doses may vary, that it's not as standardized as levothyroxine, mm -hmm. which are Synthroid. Yes. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean... Is this an example of the FDA's overreach or is it an example of the FDA's abundance of caution because too much thyroid medication can be dangerous and too little can be a disservice to a patient? Totally. So, um, you know, they've got to get their uh, act together in terms of their batch testing and their formulation. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, hopefully it'll come back on the market. But yeah. I consider um, 
Compounding pharmacies make natural desiccated thyroid, or NDT. Yeah. And you can get... Um, she says she's now on NP thyroid. Okay. Because my doctors are having a tough time getting Fine. the other. Yeah. Uh, the same thing seems to be happening now with this one. I got a call from my pharmacy stating that the manufacturer has a recall because the pills contain less than 90%. Yeah. But I can still use them or call some number and return them. Go figure. I refuse to take Synthroid. I guess I'll be calling or emailing my senators and maybe the FDA too. You go, Roberta. Yeah, well, the problem is I'm not sure that this is an example of uh, effort by FDA to quash that medication. However, I think sometimes the uh. standards that they apply to the natural products industry are unduly stringent. Mm -hmm. um, when they may be lax for the regular pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, I consider the FDA uh, both a guardian and a foe, you know, at the same yeah. time. Uh, they definitely have an attitude towards something. One of the things that they're doing is they're saying you can't use NAC anymore. Yeah. And I'm very disturbed Everybody's about that. scrambling to buy their NAC. Right, because NAC has uh, patents that cover it as a medication. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, so why didn't they do anything about it for the last 25 years? They knew the same thing, you know, 25, 30 years. It's, it's only... so important for lung health. Why now? I'll tell you why For now. lung I'll health. You, I'll tell you why now. They're doing some pretty convincing research showing that NAC is protective against COVID. Yeah. So it, it, once they demonstrate that, they're going to make it a prescription drug. Yep. It's it you know, sounds like it may be a victim of its own success. Ah. Something which is so efficacious that they can market it as a prescription. They're going to want that patent protection yep. and enforce it. Yeah. Yeah. That that that's, what we it, see it, that's there. it's it's not a coincidence in my opinion. The strong arm of pharma. Yep. Okay. But look, the, yeah. it's also disservice to the public because in this time of COVID. Um, Self-care is really important. And to be yes. able to keep something in the medicine cabinet, if you come down with COVID, that could keep you from going to the Or any other hospital. respiratory disease. The flu. I keep. I, I used to keep it yeah. just in case I got the flu. Sure. You know, because yeah. I know that under those conditions, I'm going to... I've got a bottle at home. I'm going to use up all my glutathione. Yeah. And your body needs glutathione to fight uh, you know, viral infection. Yes. And by the way, everybody... Having enough vitamin D in your system also upregulates your production of glutathione, okay, that's, which is another way to get your glutathione going that's, too. Yes. That's why vitamin D is so uh, so important. Yeah. As well. So okay. yet another reason. Yeah. So we've got one from Judy. Hi, my pregnant daughter took her glucose tolerance test to test for gestational diabetes. Her results came back low at sixty-four while the reference range is 74 to 129. Is this anything to be concerned about? So it sounds like this was a fasting glucose of 64. It could be from fasting overnight. Yeah. Not the whole glucose tolerance test. She's giving us this one number. It, it could be that she could have hypoglycemia. 64 at the end of the test, which is reactive hypoglycemia. Oh, right. But, if it's at the end of it, yeah. right. Her results came back low. It is probably the end of it. Yeah. yeah. You're right, Dr. Hoffman. Okay, so yeah, reactive hypoglycemia. No. What, so what would you be? What would you be counseling this woman if she showed you results like this? She's not diabetic, but she has a, a low glucose. Yeah. yeah, that she needs to stabilize her blood sugar so she doesn't have any of this reactive hypoglycemia, and she doesn't progress to because unstable blood sugar is actually the precursor. 
is she to getting good, any type of diabetes. Is she a good candidate for intermittent fasting? For gestational diabetes, not necessarily, but she could. Yeah, I'd, she I'd, I'd be concerned. I would say that she might be a candidate for the opposite, which is like frequent small feedings. Frequent small to, feedings to, would to be better. To balance blood sugar, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But it also is, a, is, it's not a call to eat a lot of sugar. No, it's not. It's not. If you eat the right foods, that reactive hypoglycemia should sort itself out. So some, where then, some uh, low glycemic index carbs. Absolutely. And, you know, plenty of absolutely. protein and, you know. And good quality and fat. fats. Yeah. Getting good rest, exercise, all of yeah, the And what are the context, you know, what's her weight, what's her pregnancy, weight gain. Yes. You know, in counseling a pregnant woman, you know, we want to, you know, not. What do, do they send them for a GTT, pregnant women, in the second trimester, the first? I don't remember. It's been a long time. I Since don't I that. remember. Either. I think it's somewhere between the first and the second. Because, okay. like, in the first, it's like, you know, you don't have a lot of fetus to mess up your blood sugar. True, true. So, and at that point, you problems, may not know yet that you're pregnant. later in pregnancy with blood mm -hmm. sugar problems. Like, gestational diabetes usually takes place second to third. Yeah. 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 I remember back when I was a hospital By the way, dietitian. It, I'm sorry, it's a predictor for, you know, you may be, after you deliver the kid, you may return to normal in terms of your blood sugar, but it's it's something to watch out for because it means you are more likely to develop Diabetes insulin resistance. In yeah. In yeah, it's a predictor. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, that reminded me of a time when I was a hospital dietitian that uh, I, I had to counsel a woman. She was in her third trimester and her blood sugars were in the 300s. Oh. And I had to talk to her about, yeah, you can't just sit there and eat those bonbons, which she was classically doing. Right. Her feet up and eating whatever she wanted. No, because, because she's eating for two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, exactly. Can't do it's that. sort of like I'm pregnant, you know, it's like I need to be pampered. Yes, yes, yes. You know, yes, that yes, whole yes, thing. Yes. It's like, oh my exactly. husband was so good, he brought me like, you know, like like he brought me my he favorite brought me ice cream. You know, like a, he gave me a gallon of ice cream, you know, I feel <laughs> these weird cravings now. <laughs> I just ate a half gallon of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like premium ice cream. It's premium like, ice cream. Right. Exactly, exactly. So and and did you know that you need more calories nursing oh, yeah. after you've given that birth was a surprise than yeah. you do during pregnancy? Mm -hmm. During pregnancy, you may need about two hundred and fifty calories more a day, but when you're nursing, you need about five hundred more calories a day. Wow! Believe it or not, that's a good question. Yeah, that's for really an, something for a nutrition talk, exam. Talk about metabolic fire right yeah. there. All right, we have time for a quick question. If quick such question. there be, yeah, this is from Nicole. COVID aftermath. Mm. Tips for regaining taste and smell. Ooh. Any supplements that someone should continue taking you know, after COVID? So it's been said that uh, uh, alpha-lipoic acid is helpful. Uh, uh, zinc may be helpful for restoration of taste and smell. Acid. But you know, but I, I I have to say that we this these therapies have not been tried out, but they should be. It because be. there's a fairly high number of people who've lost their taste and smell with COVID. It should come back. Yeah. Uh, it, it's rarely permanent. It's a transient thing. Yeah. But um, it, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, there's nerve damage to the olfactory nerves. Mm. And the, then alpha-lipoic would definitely be, wow. Possibly. Mm. I mean, it's a, I, it's a well, hypothesis. Some people do, many people do regain their sense of smell. The vast majority do, yeah. but it's it could take weeks or months. Yeah. But that's one of the hallmarks of COVID. It happens in other conditions, but it seems to be much more common in COVID. Also, the loss of taste and smell is a marker for relatively less severe COVID. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
I've also heard it happen after a whopper of a sinus infection oh, where sure. they had to take some kind of a steroid medication and can't smell anything there, anymore. There are actually some antibiotics that have a, a, a damaging effect on nerves. Gentamicin, yes. for example, which is wow. not too commonly used. Wow. Um, used for gram-negative infections. Wow. But uh, it also those antibiotics cause ototoxicity, loss of hearing somewhat. And by the way, tinnitus and loss of hearing is a consequence of both COVID and, for some, the vaccine. Yes, we've heard about the tinnitus we had a with some of the with yeah. some of the jabs, yeah. right? Yeah, and we had a patient complaining yeah. of such. Yeah. That's interesting. So the nerve involvement. All right, uh, that's all the time that we have for today. Great questions. Keep them coming. Radio program at AOL.com is the destination for questions. And um, have yourself a great week. Thank you, Layla, for helping. Thanks, everybody. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, There's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.